Amen. Well, if you are with us for the first time, um, my name is Greg and I have the privilege of, of leading these great people, this great community called The Rock. And uh, I've been trying to do it for the last three and a half years, <laughs> trying to figure it out. It's a bit of a journey really, isn't it? You've got Jesus says, come follow me. And you know, I've said this before, but you, where are we going? And he doesn't really tell you. You know, I've been thinking about this for a while, that you know, we're so destination focused as a people, aren't we? As leadership, we can be so destination. Give me the five-year, 10-year, 15-year plan and we map it all out. And Jesus just says, would you come follow me? We're going to figure some of that out along the way. And sometimes we can be so man-centered that we can miss him. And he can be over there and we can be over here. And uh, these are just some of the things God's been talking to me about personally and just in leading and what does it look like to lead and what does it look like to model. Um, Because it is about a relationship before it's about anything else, before it's about building a building, before it's about singing some songs, before it's it's about a relationship with the one who truly is the one. And uh, we're called to know him intimately. And, um, you know, I've got, the, I've got the, the awesome job of talking about money today. And, um, you know, when, when God started putting this whole thing on my heart about speaking about generosity, and he said, and, now, and I want you to talk about money, I'm like, oh, good one. <laughs> but, you know, how many people know you've got to be obedient to God, not obedient to man? Um, because, you know, we, 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 in my experience, a lot of Christians are uncomfortable talking about money. But Jesus never was. In fact, Jesus spoke more about money than heaven and hell. If you look at the parables, half, at, least half, at least half the parables are dedicated to money because he knows the stronghold that it has on people. He knows where if you love money, where it can take you. And it's in the opposite direction of where Jesus wants to take you. And so he knew this. So, you know, I, I really believe God's saying to us as a community just to, to look at this for a set period of time. And so I'm going to talk about it this morning and I'm going to talk about it tonight. And to be honest, I don't know whether I'll get through all my notes and so it possibly is going to be a part one and a part two. So if you can't come out tonight, I can encourage you to just download it onto the on the website and just get the full picture of God wants to say because I really want to touch on, I want to have a slightly different angle and talk about why tithe. You know, so often, so many people want, you know, we function under this law and we go, well, is it 10%, is it 12%, is it 8%, is it to the storehouse, is it wherever I can choose? And we ask all these questions because we sort of want to get a sense of being right and not wrong. But Jesus is bigger than all that. He says, you know, if you get your heart comes into an alignment and your heart starts to be transformed, And the why, what's the purpose? Why have I got these principles in place? Because they go beyond just obeying a law or principle. He's trying to form something in the inside of my heart. Yeah? Rather than just, oh, well, I'm just going to give some money here and there and go again. No, he's trying to shape me into the image of his son. And money is a part of that process. It's a... Have a look and see what Simply Red say about money. You can sing along if you want.
sing along. I went and saw those, or Danielle and I went and saw the Simply Reading concerts some time ago. They were just fantastic. All the 20 year olds were going, who on earth were those guys? <laughs> they sing about this thing called money. I want to tell you about money, money, money. Just this paper stuff that really doesn't weigh much at all. It's quite light. Some people throw it away. Some people gather it up. This little thing, but you know what? It has incredible value to it, doesn't it? You can crunch it up. doesn't matter if you actually put it into a ball. It actually still has the value like that than it does like this. And Jesus spoke a lot about money. And so we need to get comfortable about speaking about money and I really just want to ask us to keep an open mind this morning an open mind to what I have to share and then at the end of that then process what I'm sharing but I can ask right now don't write off you might hear a word that takes you back five years oh when that person said that that meant that and no I'm not going to listen anymore because Jesus is trying to form and mold something on the inside of our hearts why the tithe? And if we can understand why or why we are called to be generous people, then we'll come into a greater level of understanding and freedom that he wants us to walk in. You know what was so cool about going to Jane and Nick's place is, you know, they didn't just have enough muffins for one person. There was an abundance of muffins that you could have two or three if you wanted. Why? Because they're trying to model generosity. When you walked into their home, I was greeted with this generous spirit. 
made to feel welcome. I watched as other people came in. They're made to feel welcome. They're made to feel special. That life group has family attached to it. There is an It's an atmosphere of hope. There's an atmosphere of life. There's an atmosphere of transformation. I'm listening to the different people discuss and contend. It's awesome. Why? Because there's a generous spirit that's being outworked. And we talked about generosity as a spirit before it becomes an action. It's more about who you are than what you have or what you do. And certainly those things are part of generosity. But, and as I mentioned last week, you know, you can give and you can give from your surplus and, and that's cool. But there was a woman that, that gave from all she had and Jesus made mention of it. He said, stop the bus. I want to teach you some things. Because this woman has caught something, a kingdom heart. She's got a heart like mine. And um, what would the world look like if we all had a heart like the widow? What would our neighborhoods look like? What would, what would we look like? What would be coming out of us if we had a heart like the widow? And if I had a heart like the widow, Lord, what would I look like? What would those around me look like? I'm talking about internally. I'm not talking about what you dress like or what you have. I'm talking about an internal. What would, what would be the position of our hearts? And, and so I want to talk about this today because if, you know, if we can't talk about it, then I, can I suggest that we're probably in some form of bondage to it. If we get anxious or we worry, then we're probably in some form of bondage to money that God wants to break off us because you know, if we're being honest, we spend a large portion of, of our lives trying to earn it, don't we? How many people do a job here because you love the job, if you're being honest? That is incredible and that is awesome because I reckon if we took a scan of Wellington, I reckon that would probably be up the percentage of Wellington because I, people I spoke to, and I know for myself, that when I was working at NZ Safety, I didn't work for NZ Safety because I loved what I did. It was okay. But I did it to earn money. Now, what I'm doing here, I absolutely love. I'm not here, trust me. <laughs> we won't even go. But I'd say most people don't do a job because they love what they do. They do it to earn money. We make huge life-changing decisions based on money, don't we? Can I go here? Can I buy this? I'm about to invest in a house and I'm going to create this massive mortgage which has the potential to strangle me but I'm going to make this decision. If you get married, you... uh... (laughs) Life-changing decisions based on money. (laughs) I thought that was funnier than that. Who (laughs) am I? We re-educate ourselves, we go to university, we, we, we strive to, to get better jobs so we can earn more money. You see, one of the major reasons that we struggle as Christians, and what I've noticed, anyone knows that the world doesn't struggle talking about money? It's really God's people. I mean, you're very sensitive, but it's because we walk in the flesh and we don't walk in the spirit. Nothing is confrontational when you walk in the spirit. So obedience isn't confrontation when you walk in the Spirit. You embrace it because you realize I'm going to be transformed through it. And so we need to be people of the Spirit, not of the flesh. And there's a lot of teaching around that. But 
we actually put our faith and our trust in money more than we do God. I've battled with this because this is tangible. This is right in front of me. This has power. Thank you, David. There you go, mate. Generosity month. Anybody else? (laughs) This is tangible. I can put my trust in this. I know the value of this. I know what this can purchase for me. And we put our trust and our faith in this stuff, but not in the source of this stuff. Not in the one that said, I am. I am. And so there needs to be a transition that happens where we truly do put our faith and our trust in Him. Amen? Hence, why does God put this principle in place? And I want to just show us another clip, and it's a funny clip of a plate going around a community of people. Thanks, Simon. of $455 equals $45.50. But I only have $46 in cash. I wonder if I could take my change out of the basket. God, you've been so good to me. Thank you for your provision in my life. Where does all this money go? Shouldn't the pastors know that we need softer toilet paper in the bathroom? I think that instead of giving money this week, I'll buy the toilet paper that I like and give it to the church. Lord, you know my needs. I give this in faith. Please cover my debts and make my car last a long time. Since I sent my money to that television evangelist this week, I'll count that as my tithe. Mom gave me a dollar and I get to put it in. Why don't we do that anyway? As soon as I get out of debt, I'll start tithing. 10%? Where does that come from? What happens if I only give 5%? No, wait. That's too hard. God, I know you see how much money I give. I hope these pastors appreciate it. Okay, God. You know I'm giving more than the usual 10% this week. So next week, I'm keeping it all. I cleaned the sanctuary this week. That's worth about $50. What do you know? That's 10% of what I make. I'm covered. It's interesting, isn't it? The different mindsets, different thought patterns, you know, really the battlefield is right here. Jesus said that. He said, you know, you've got to be careful, guys, of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod which is a religious spirit and a political spirit. He says, it's here, it's the thinking. And, and uh, you know, I just wrote some thoughts down that I've heard in, in, in being sort of seven years now in, in, uh, in, you know, here at The Rock. You know, I've heard it's Old Testament law and it doesn't apply in the New Testament. I've heard it's my money and I decide where it goes. I love this one. I can't believe people don't tithe. Leadership doesn't use it the way I think, so I'm not going to tithe. I've learned so much about trust and faith in God through tithing. I can't trust the leadership, so I'm not giving. I can't afford to. Someone said this to me about six weeks ago in my office. I don't have to tithe. I get to tithe. 
That's a different mindset, isn't it? I don't have to. It's like, you mean I have an opportunity to, to give? Man, how awesome is that? that? I was like, I should get him up to preach. <laughs> Church leaders have built their own empire through people's tithes, so I'm not tithing. When I have more, then I will start to tithe. Do you tithe the gross or the net? <laughs> Sounds like a common question. <laughs> it's quite a mixed bag, really, isn't it? Mixed bag of, of responses. And, and as I said today, I just want to talk about for most of this is the why. Why behind the tithe? You know, I've got some three things to to sort of get our thinking at, at the end of this, and so it might transition tonight, or you know, I might just sort of give you it quickly. But um, why the tithe? So now, question: What is God trying to form in our hearts through this principle and process? What's He trying to form through our hearts? Because it says that we are to be made into His image through this whole process. So, on one aspect, it has nothing to do with money. It just happens to be that money is a thing that has a hold of people. It could be food, it could be sport, it could be career, it could be all these things, but God knows, hence he talks about money a lot, that money, if there's one thing that has a stranglehold on people, it's money. And so what's he trying to form in us? Because in his ultimate wisdom of knowing our hearts, which the Bible says are wicked, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? that these little children up here actually have wicked hearts. They have a nature not of God's. We have this thing called iniquity, which is lawlessness, which means we want to be God, we want to be on the throne of our own lives, in control of all of our lives. But God says, I'm the boss. I'm the one that's to be in control. You're to be submitted to me. The Bible says we have this thing called a wicked heart, so he gives us the tithe to create life-changing formational principles that will swing the balance of who and what we truly trust in, which starts to create in us a nature like his. Because quite a few of us are out of balance in this area of our lives. I know I have been, probably still are, and God's trying to pull it back that we walk in the image of him, we reflect him. Does that make sense? How many people, you don't have to raise your hand, but just a question, how many people started this thing called tithing through obedience rather than love? Cool. You know, I don't know about you, guys, when I sort of came into this environment, I had not been brought up with any of this stuff. It's like, wow, you've got to give your money? Giving for me was probably quite an easy thing in the sense of doing a lot of things, just my nature, personality, maybe, I don't know. And then they'd say, well, but, but you know, start to, you know, start to give some finance. And I had no understanding of why you'd even, even do this, you know, and it had to start through a process of being obedient. And I was in love with God. I'd had quite a powerful trans, you know, transformational experience. And it started by just going, okay, well, it's in here. I understand it's more than just a law. It's in fact in the New Testament you're trying to create in me a generous spirit, an abundant spirit. So the, the principle of this thing is not the end, it's the start to create in me a generous flowing heart like yours. So I go from this transition to here. 
Sometimes we just get so focused on whether I'm ticking the box, ticking the law, and we're not now processing or transitioning into this generous spirit, which is what Christ had and he, he lived throughout. So it starts for most of us in obedience, and then it's to flow into love. Hence, we need to know him. Because if you stop and think about it, if you don't know him, how much are you going to give your life to him? If you don't know him, you can't trust him. If you don't really know him or you just know about him and he asks you to lay your life down for others, how are you going to do that? So you can only give from what you had, you can only give from what you know. And so if I know him and know and trust him that he is the creator, he is abundant, he's all his anyway, then I can fulfill this principle and start working out this principle that it becomes a spirit in my heart. Listen to this thought. We can serve God with money, but we can never serve God and money. We can serve God with money. In fact, God's created it. It's a powerful thing. And in the right hand, money can do incredible things for his kingdom, can't it? You know, I get amused with the church. You know, everybody wants your money, don't they? Let's be honest. Everybody's after your money. Well, his money that you get to steward. People say, well, the church, all they want is your money. Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> so we can do incredible things with it and you can learn some process. I don't want your money. That's just a joke. Okay? But money builds the kingdom. Money builds reaches and puts food on people's plate. Money educates. Money raises leaders. Let's be honest. Money is an incredible, powerful resource that God has given in the right hand to build his kingdom with. But in the wrong hands, it can lead to destruction. And so he puts this principle in place to try and shift and mold us to help us first and foremost in our own hearts and then for us to build his kingdom with it and to serve others with it. We're blessed to be a blessing. The Bible teaches us in Romans that we are to be conformed into his image. That he is the potter and we are the clay. God wants to reform us, shape us, realign us into the image of his son in every area of our lives, which includes money. And this is an internal transformational process of the heart because we are to partake of the divine nature, escaping the desires and lust of our human nature. If you've got your word, just come to 2 Peter with me. Or the Bible, just 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, and we're going to pick it up in uh, 2. Two Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Don't you love that? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Once again, the knowing of him and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. Does that mean there's a fake knowledge? Who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them, the promises, 
you may become partakers of the divine nature. Not just do his works and not just lay hands on the sick and not just do his but you'd partake of a divine nature. Because we have human nature and then we have divine nature, which is God's nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. The giving of our finances is the outworking of what is happening on the inside of our hearts. It's the product of a changed heart. And so we are to be formed into his image and partake of the divine nature which comes through this beautiful word. So why why tithe? Why give? Why be generous? Because there's this transformational thing happening of our nature into his. Before it's ever about giving away money, there's this, trans- I mean, you get in this, there's this transformation of the spirit where actually you becoming more like him. That's the whole point. That's the purpose. When Jesus said, I will build my church, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about having meetings like this where all these people turn up and we, we do some things. He's talking about building a person that actually looks like him here and then can operate out and do certain things because that process is happening. So that's not just about the tithe and, and, and the offering. That, that's about living under the obedience of this word, isn't it? Because he's coming back for something. Jesus Christ is returning for a bride that looks like him. Wow. That is something else. I will build my people. Mm. I mentioned this last week and I want to mention this again because there's power in this. And I'm just going to read this out. God's kingdom is one of incredible affluence or abundance. And God channels this affluence through us. But we need to understand that there are two ways in which we can use this affluence. Okay? So God has abundance. He is abundant in nature. His past drip with abundance. Who he is is just extremely abundant. And he wants to channel this affluence through us to impact our hearts and, and this world and, and other people. But there's two ways in which we could use this incredible affluence. We can use our affluence to insulate ourselves or protect ourselves. Once again, holding everything down, trying to protect because we've got all these little boxes and we've got it all figured out. And we can literally insulate ourselves from one, our own heart being changed in a world that he's trying to, for us to influence. And so we're okay. We've got it all down. We've got me and my little family and we're all okay. Sorry, we haven't got enough for any of those. We're just, we're just doing our thing. We're living like hermits. That is so opposite than the kingdom of God, isn't it? It's so opposite of how Jesus operates. But it's a reality for us. And we have to transition from the heart into this. We can use our affluence to insulate ourselves, which is partaking of our human nature, or we use it to influence others, which is partaking of the divine nature. And our tithe and offerings are the God-given principle that stops us going into insulation 
and channels us towards influence. Once again, because it doesn't just happen. You've got to remember, we've got this wicked heart, this wicked nature. And God's trying to transform that nature through his Holy Spirit, through his power, through his truth. He tries to um, influence you with truth that you would shift from this human nature into this divine nature. And so he puts these principles in place to start a process that, I know me, I probably wouldn't do it automatically because of the nature that I have. Yeah. Now listen to this. If we insulate ourselves with our affluence, then we are afflicted by affluence. It becomes a disease. Why is the world... Why are there billions of people starving around the world? How many people know we don't need God to solve that problem? Mankind could solve that problem like that with the release of money. Why, when I'm in India, are the rich getting richer and the poor are getting poorer and the gap is getting wider? Because some people are choosing to insulate themselves with this affluence, with this ability that God has given them. It's not rocket science, is it? And so our affluence, if we are afflicted by it, becomes a disease. But if we use our affluence to influence, then we are empowered by our affluence and the flow never stops because it comes from God. Hence, God has these principles in place to reform us which empowers us to live a life that honours him. Maybe just go back, mate, and just put that back up. So I'll let you read what I've just read. Maybe just start, if we insulate ourselves. Yep. Give it a few seconds so we can read it. If you want this later on, feel free to give me an email and I can just send it to you. But let me put it another way. How many people here have been the doctor? Been a doctor in your lifetime? Cool. How many of you have been to the doctors and received a prescription for something? Yep, cool. What was the prescription for? Antibiotics, some form of medicine to cure something that we might have, yeah? It's for a particular medicine to heal the ailment we may be suffering from. The doctor gives us the prescription for us to get well. Now, if you've got an incredibly generous doctor and a very people-focused doctor, they may have come round to make sure that you've, one, grabbed your prescription and grabbed your medicine. But how many people have actually had your doctor come round to check out to see whether you've, one, got the prescription, and two, taken the medicine. There's just no service today, is there? <laughs> they don't beat you up, do they, or yell at you for not taking the medicine? But the failure to use the prescription to attain the medicine and then take the medicine 
might cause you some serious harm that might lead to more serious consequences than what you first had, even possibly death, depending on what you are struggling with. Now just listen to this. Tithing is God's prescription and medicine which starts a work and process to cure us all of a sickness that we all have and we have all been afflicted with called self. Now I say process because the tithe isn't the end, but the beginning of developing in us a spirit of generosity, generosity motivated by our love for God. Your choice. There's your prescription, Greg, Greg for what you have. Hmm, am I going to go get the medicine for that? Nah, later. No phone call from the doctor. No, I'm just doing my thing. Oh, this thing's getting a bit worse. So why? God is the creator. He has ultimate wisdom, doesn't he? He looks, he knows our hearts. He knows my heart. He knows the wickedness of my heart. He loves me even still. And because he loves me, he says, I'm going to put some things in place for you, son. Because I love you so much that I want you to be formed into the image of my son. Because what I have for you and your inheritance is going to blow your socks off. And so I'm going to put these things in place and I want you to, to live in them because it's going to be beneficial for you. Not me. I don't need them. I've got a thousand, you know, cattle's on a thousand hills. I speak and things happen. That's why they're always finding other stars because I reckon God just keeps speaking them out just to confuse man. He thinks, oh, they're going to find all the this was on. Poof. Oh, gee, it's... <laughs> so it's for us. It's our medicine to let go of this thing called self which wants to control and bind and keep you down and the enemy keeps feeding it. Look after yourself, look after yourself. You don't have enough. Look after yourself, look after yourself. And God's like going, let go, let go, let go, let go. Trust in me, trust in me, trust in me. But if you don't take the medicine, you don't get well. And the beautiful thing is he actually loves you. He gives you a choice. If I'd been God, I wouldn't have given anyone a choice. Do it. God says you've got a choice. So just some, let me, let me read this. Failure to obey God's prescription, although he doesn't enforce it, can leave you with the sickness of self, which eventually at worst may lead to your own demise and destruction or as a minimum keep you trusting in money and serving money and not God, bound in fear, worry, anxiety and a hardened heart. Now that is the scariest thing to have a hardened heart because it was a thing that why the Israelites never got into the promised land because of their unbelief and the hardening of their heart. That's the worst thing that can happen to a person is the hardening of your heart. It's the area God comes and speaks to you. Think about that. Understanding the Bible says comes in the heart of man. And if it is hard, if it is calloused, once again, he won't force his way in there. He tries to influence it. So just quickly, I'm just going to give you three and I'll expand these tonight. But here's three establishing, I reckon, core facts that we need to get around our thinking. Number one, everything is God's and comes from him. 
everything is his. Okay, so everything you own is not yours. These children that were up on the stage today are not their parents. They are his. And he says, would you steward what's mine? It could be hard to get our head around, isn't it? If we've got the mind of man, but we have the mind of Christ. I hear all the people, this is my money, my money. No, it's not his money. He actually says, would you steward my money? So what, not only are you going to get well on the inside, you're going to become more like me. I'm asking, would you steward my resource? Listen to what John 1 says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. It can be a tongue twister, that one, can't it? All things, everyone say all things, came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. That's pretty clear, isn't it? If you want some other passages, go look at Romans 11, 33 to 36. Listen to what Leviticus 27, 30, 32 says. Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Whew. If therefore a man wishes to redeem part of his tithe, he shall add it one-fifth of it, Every tenth part of herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. So remember, it's not just about taking a principle. It's not God's trying to form something in us. So in the New Testament, God's trying to develop through this thing called the tithe and offering through process into a generous spirit today. Which I believe for back then as well, but, you know. Number two, the Old Testament and New Testament make up one complete book. It's Old Testament. So we don't do it. But it's one book. I love this saying, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And I just want to give you three things around... You know, the Old Testament and the New Testament make up one book. So why do I make this point? Why do I make the point that it's actually one book? Three things. The principle of giving back to God, sorry, the principle of giving back to God a percentage of what was rightfully his, okay, so it's his, in this case a tenth, started before the law of tithing was even introduced. And it wasn't about whether it was a law or not, it was about it was sorry it was given from a heart position of appreciation and thankfulness for what God had done for Abraham and Jacob so before it ever became a tithe these two men knew because of the impact that God was having in their hearts they just went, they were like that person that said I don't have to tithe I get to I want to you're so awesome you're so abundant the fact that you're even in my world Man, I want to give back to you. And I only have to give a tenth for what you've done on the cross. You, you, you just want a tenth, don't you want all of it? Well, yeah, but you know, we're on a process, we're on a journey. I understand the heart of you. I get to, these men are giving, not from a law, because of love, because of who God is. So yes, the principle comes from the Old Testament, but listen to 
Matthew 5, 17 and 19. Do not think that I came, the words of Jesus, to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until it is accomplished. Jesus came to fulfill the law, so living under this new covenant actually carries a greater responsibility on us, not just to give a percentage, but to give it all and live a lifestyle of abundant generosity. Because for most of us, abundant generosity isn't our innate nature, and so the tithe is the seed that God asks us to sow by faith and thanksgiving to start the process of developing a nature like his. And it's love. All through a process of knowing him. Although tithing, this is a third thought, starts in the Old Testament, Jesus instructs the Pharisees to continue to tithe in the New Testament. Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three: Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness, but these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. So although their attitude was wrong, they're still fulfilling really, which is just ah, you know, this, this understanding. So once again, we can get so caught up on, is it law, is it not? Do I need to do it now because it's in this book now? If you capture the revelation of God, you want to start giving to him in every facet of your life to create a generous spirit. So you work out what that looks like in a thing called a tithe. Now the Bible talks about a tenth. But you know, under this new covenant, it's like, well, God, what are you actually saying? Do you want me to give 50? Do you want me to give 5? Do you want me to give 8? Do you want me to give 15? Speak to me, Spirit, because I'm about a relationship with you. I want to walk in this abundance of being this generous person. And how do I model that? So I, I do it here, but you know, I'm part of a family at The Rock, so I'm going to invest here, but then I'm in this world and I'm in this other. How do I invest here, 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 and here? How do I literally... Be like the widow and just look to be a vessel that you can use because I'm clay and I'm being molded to bring influence. And as I do that, my heart's being transitioned. It's being transformed. I'm being made into your image. You know what? You actually get more to release. I actually believe every single Christian should actually have the favor of God on their lives and have an abundance in their lives why? Not to get fat and big and overweight, but that people would look and go, my goodness, I see this person. What on earth? Who are you? And you point them that way. Read about Abraham. Read about these, these men had, Solomon had everything to influence, not to insulate, to influence. And this is the challenge. I was thinking, you know, why, why give here? Why, why, why give into the community of people called the rock? Why, why, why bring a portion here? And um, I'm going to finish with this. So I just grew up in a family, and you know, I grew up in a home, wasn't Christian, it was a loving home that my mum and dad modeled something. They said, you know, if you're part of this family, you've got some responsibilities. It's not a free ride here, son, or sons. 
They modelled, you know, it's, it's about taking responsibility. We loved one another, we served one another, we lived for one another, we had each other's back. There was unity, love and encouragement and all these awesome things. And we had a responsibility to take care of what we had, our home, our property. It was like stewarding what we had. I'm, this is, I'm not even talking, you know, we weren't Christians, but just stewarding and being responsible. It meant investing into this beautiful thing. And I was thinking, Danielle and I give a portion of our salaries, not because of the position I have, not because I have to, because I'm supposed to, you know what, because I'm on staff. It's because I love this house. I love this place. It's my home. It's where God has entrusted me to build his kingdom and to bring forth its one facet of my life. That's why we, we, we give to, into a community like this. And yeah, there are risks and there are challenges and there are all these things and that's part of the journey. But I just love this place. I love you guys. I want to build God's kingdom with you. I want to see us all finish the race well, crossing the line together. Not some back there and some ahead of there and let's pull this thing together. So God gives us resources in which to do that and to put food on people's tables and to pay bills for people and to pay salaries for people and to do other things in Cambodia and, you know, it's all his. So he's just stewarding it through us. He looks for a heart. And, you know, I just hope today you've, you've caught something. If you're new with us, I know this whole thing with money, you know, and let's be honest, there are some people that have abused it, haven't they? There are people on TV today that are just, it's all about, I'm just grabbing that and I've got this excuse and I'm using this. And doesn't mean we don't do it. doesn't mean we don't, you know, the enemy, if he can just, if he can turn the dial, if he can counterfeit something, because why? Because it's medicine for us. And he knows that. He says, man, if these guys at the rock start getting this thing, we're in trouble. We better send some a team to try and now start get in there. And you know, Greg said some things today. We better start messing with some people's thinking. And no, no, no. You're probably hearing voices now. So many voices being defined by him. Come out tonight and hear part two. Although I've shared some of it. <laughs> but I, God, I pray and I thank you, Lord, that everything is yours. Everything has come from you, everything will end with you and you are forming us into the image of your son and you do that through a variety of ways and money just happens to be one. But Lord, we acknowledge today that it it can have a place in our heart that it shouldn't. It can have a a stranglehold around us that it shouldn't. And we place you today back on the centre throne of our lives. God, help us to let go and trust in you. Help us to let go of the things that the world screams are security and grab hold of you. You are security. You are the Alpha. You are the beginning, the Omega and the end. And so today, God, I just pray for a release of freedom into the hearts of your people, your children, your, your sons, your daughters, into their hearts. Freedom. I pray just 
a breakage by the power of the Spirit over anything, Lord, that are holding any people back. I pray for those bondages to be smashed into oblivion by your Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ now. And I speak forth and call forth freedom into the hearts of your sons and daughters today in this area, Lord. An outpouring of your Spirit to bring wholeness and healing and fullness. Thank you for what we have. Thank you for the incredible generosity of this group of people, Lord, that for years now have continued to pour out and pour out and pour out to bless others and to build your kingdom. And we just pray for the continuation of that here as we go forward as a community. In Jesus' name, amen.